The sermon title today is called Make God's Destiny Your Destination. Make God's Destiny Your Destination. See, a lot of us, we're always coming up with different destinations that we want to go on, but we want to make sure that it's God's destiny for us that we seek. The definition of destiny, as you look it up, it says events that will happen to a particular person or thing in the future, what's meant to be. God has a plan for each and every one of us. How many of you know that? So it's meant to be. And so that is our destiny. If we'll follow God, uh, he can provide that. Now, definition, or a destination, I'm sorry, is a place that people will make a special trip to visit. So if we believe in God and we believe that God has a plan for us and a destiny for each and every one of us before we're even born, then that should be a special trip to get to that spot in our lives. It should be a very special spiritual effort for us to make sure that we can get there. People are climbing Mount Everest all the time. They spend thousands of dollars. They climb it, and they can have that. I guess there's you know, so many thousands throughout the world that are able to do that. But you know what? That doesn't compare at all to be able to serve Jesus Christ and serve him in the way that he has designed you to serve him. If you've ever felt uncomfortable with something, doing something, you come to realize that if I can step into God's plan for me, all of a sudden there's a peace. In fact, it feels right because I've been created for that. And when you're created for a certain gifting or a certain ministry and you're now in that ministry, there's such a peace because you just know that you know that you know that you're in the right place at the right time. How many of us have ever got in the wrong place at the right time, right? Or the wrong time, however you want to look at it. So we want to make sure that God's destiny is our destination. Now, I've shared this before, but um, I grew up in... uh, Detroit Lakes here, and my dad managed the lumber yard. Where the mall is, that, that, basically that whole area was PV Lumber. It was Wilcox, then it went to PV, then it went to UBC, and my dad was a district manager there and managed many times. And so when I got in trouble, he gave me a job in seventh grade. I stayed too long in town riding my bike looking for a girl. She never came out of the house. I got home about 7 o'clock, and the very next day I was then a janitor at the lumber yard. They didn't even have that position till that day. So every day after school, I had to go to the lumberyard and I had to sweep the floor and clean the toilets. That was my job to make sure that I got there and then he got me home. So that relationship with that girl never worked out. I just was too busy, just too busy working at the lumberyard. But as I worked there and my brother worked there, we eventually grew up enough that we could drive trucks. And so I've shared this at Cowboy Church, but it's, we're talking about the destiny and destination. How many of us have a destination? I tell you what, when you're 18 years old and you're in a lumber truck and it's summertime, guess where my destination always took me? The beach. No, the beach. Down at the beach. Now, there, you know where the lumberyard is if you know where the mall is, and the beach is south of that along the lake. I tell you what, if you ordered lumber in Callaway, guess which way I went? By the beach. Everyone went by the beach. Every guy that was driving truck went by the beach. Now, it's not really that cool to drive the beach in a lumber truck. I didn't really have too many gals wave. But it was something, it was my destiny as a teenager that the DL Beach was a destiny. And and so my destination always took me there. I don't care if I was going east, south, north, or west. It always went by the beach. And my brother was in the audience at Cowboy Church when we talked about that a couple weeks ago, and he admitted the same for him. Now, what's so interesting is, 40 years later, fast forward 40 years later, and Mark comes to the Cowboy Church, and he has a farm, and on his farm he has this truck. Everyone say E-I-E-I-O. That kind of fit in there, didn't it? It's the lumber truck I drove in 1978. It was a 1978 truck. He has it. But what's interesting is my dad had put a sticker on the dash, and that sticker is still there, and it says, Is this trip necessary? 
<laughs> because he figured out that his destination was to send me to Callaway. My destination was to get to Callaway via the beach. And so he put these stickers in, and that sticker's still there today, and Mark only lives about three miles from where we were living, so it's kind of interesting how that all came to be. But every trip that I took, the destination was Westlake Drive. We had to get there. See, I chose my destination. The issue we have sometimes is, as people and as Christians is, are we choosing our destination? Are we trying to set up our own destiny? Or are we willing to follow God and let him work the destiny out in us and, and say, you know what, Lord, whatever you want me to do is my destination. Wherever you want me to be, there, there I'll be. But you know what? That takes sacrifice and that takes submission. You've got to be able to surrender to God and say, you know what, use me. Now, I was listening to a gentleman. He said that somebody said that, well, I never want to go to Africa and live in a grass hut. And he said, well, you know what? I, I had a friend that went to Africa. God sent him there and he lived in a grass hut and it wasn't bad at all. But he said, here's the issue is if you're following God's destiny for you and, and you're willing to take the destination he has for you, you will feel fantastic in a grass hut in Africa. See, we look at our minds and say, well, I don't want to go there or I wouldn't want to go there. I'll serve only here or serve only there. But that might not be the destiny he has for you. That's yours. That's your choices. You're starting to say, you know what, God, I want to serve you right over here, right here. This is the where I'm going to serve you, God. Only this spot right here. God says, you've got to get out of your comfort zone to get in my comfort zone. You've got to get out of yourself so that I can get inside you and take you to where I want you to be. Because every one of us has a gifting. Every one of us, when we're called by God, has already been ordained and predestined to be able to do these different gifts. So I've got to challenge you, folks. If you aren't doing anything for God except showing up at church, you're missing out. You're not following the destiny and destination that God has for you. This is our destination to come here and to uh, worship God and to praise him, but it's also to receive from him. But if you aren't moved, if you aren't urged in your heart to do something for God, you really want a second chance and take a look at that. Because if you're following God, he's going to move you into what he's created you to be. So if you're not moving off the couch, you might want to talk to God about it and say, am I missing something here? The couch was my destination my popcorn bowl is my destination. Sitting here watching a movie, eating this stuff is my destiny. But it's probably not God's destiny for you. And so we, we get challenged by this, challenged by things of the world. Now, Jeremiah 1.5 says this, the Lord says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That's why it challenges abortion so much. Because of God saying, I knew you before you were in the womb, and, and they say, you know what, that's nothing. That's just matter. That's just a, a chunk of jello there for quite a while. That's not true at all. God knew him before he was in the womb. How many of you realize that? How many of you believe that? That's right. David says this in Psalms 139, 13, 14, and 16. For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I just want to stop right there. Uh, the challenges for the youth these days is they don't think they're fearfully and wonderfully made. Because all they see in magazines and all they see in articles is about how imperfect they are. That you've got to look this way and you've got to look that way. You've got to look like a Barbie doll for gals. Well, how many Barbie dolls have you seen, gals? So the majority of women are supposed to look like this one or two people. Why, why aren't they the oddballs? Why don't they want to look like the rest of us? Put on some weight. Come on, gal, right? 
but society has it turned around. See, society is dyslexia because they see everything backwards. Everything that Christ wants, they want to see differently because Satan, of course, wants to take us in the wrong road. See, Satan has a destiny and a destination for us too. He wants us to go to hell. He wants us to bypass Christ, to say no thank you, that I don't want to follow anyone but myself. And he says, fine, you go ahead and think you're in control, and I'll take you all the way to hell, letting you believe that. See, he's got a destiny for us also. He has a destination he wants every one of us to follow. But we have a better destination. We have a better destiny with Christ. And so he says, we're fearfully, wonderfully made. Verse 16 says, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. In other words, he's already preordained and planned our days if we'll follow him, if we'll choose him for our destination and choose to accept his destiny. Well, why did God create us? That's the whole issue. I mean, you hear about evolution and whatnot, and we were a blob, and we came out of the swamp, and then we got a Winnebago, and we traveled the country. I mean, that's about the steps that they take in that. Somewhere along the line, this, this blob came out of the swamp, and before long it was building cars and making motors, and before long it retired and it jumps in a Winnebago. But why did God make us to do that? That's, God says, I want everyone to have a Winnebago. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Listen to that. This is the creator of the universe for each and every one of us. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. For good works that he prepared beforehand. He's got a plan. How many of you know that you don't have to tell God how to do his work, how to do his job? He's already got it planned out. The only missing part is us. Will we surrender to the call? Will we surrender to the call and then realize that that's just the beginning of a new relationship in Christ Jesus? The Bible talks about you need to know Jesus Christ. Well, I talked this morning about Adam and Eve. Adam knew Eve. It was a very intimate relationship. We need to have that kind of relationship with Jesus Christ so that we can hear him speak into our lives that when, when society is screaming out, don't do this, don't go there, pick this, pick that, you can hear his voice and pick it out because you know your shepherd and he hears your voice, and you hear his. And so we've got to put effort into it. See, whenever you guys go on a trip, a lot of you put effort into it. Man, you plan, and you, you get a place ahead of time, and then you pack, and then you pack more, and then you pack even more, and you try to shove the dog in the back seat, and you just, you know, you're going there. Remember the days where there was no air conditioning in the car, and you just kind of sat with your head out the window <gasps> trying to breathe? Going to the Black Hills, you know? <gasps> See, we put effort into things that we want to do. We put a lot of effort into everything that we value. Do we value Christ enough to say, you've predestined me, you have a destiny for me, and I want to follow that? Jeepers, you know, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, or I can have an abundant life. Hmm, which one should I choose? It sounds so foolish, doesn't it? Yet it's so true, we battle with that. How many of you battle for years before you finally said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord? because we're seeking our own destiny and trying to create our own destination. There was a time when Sandy and I lived out in the prairie up by the Black Hills, and I was building the world's most beautiful chicken coop. It was. It was like the Cadillac. I mean, it just was fantastic, wasn't it? It was like premier. 
And my neighbor would come and say, Jeepers, I was hoping to see you in church today. I'd say, yeah, I got to get there one of these days. But, you know, I got a chicken coop to build. You know? <laughs> it took several weeks before I finally said, okay, yeah, I'll go. Changed my life. Promise Keepers came, went there in Denver, got saved, and it's been different ever since. Don't have that chicken coop anymore either. In fact, I don't care if I have that chicken coop anymore because I found something better. My destination to be the premier chicken farmer in the prairie of, you know, north of Rapid City was long gone, long forgotten. We've got to walk in them, though. See, we're always walking. You can either walk in Christ and his plan for you, or you're going to walk apart from his plan for you, but you're going to walk. Every one of us walks. You just have to decide what, what uh, course you're going to take and what path you're going to be directed on. Now, remember when man went to the moon in 1969? Some of you guys, you're like, oh, no, yeah, we did actually go to the moon, supposedly. In 1969, I believe it was. Walter Cronkite was on the news all the time. And they always had this, they had that, like, here's the earth, and here's this little moon. And they had this, like, figure eight, they'd say, now the capsule will go around the earth, and it will slingshot itself to the moon, then they'll go around the moon, then they'll land, then they'll slingshot themselves back. And it was like this beautiful figure eight. And you just thought, wow, those guys got it all together. I mean, they just launch a rocket and it goes to the moon. Well, I was reading, somebody talked to one of the astronauts that went to the moon, and he said, really, it's like this. They threw us at the moon, and he said, every 10 minutes for the next four and a half days, they had to do course corrections. Every 10 minutes. Sometimes it was just a quarter of a second, just a little, and they were back on course. Sometimes it took over 10 minutes to do a burn because they were 90 degrees away from their the course they wanted to take. I share that with you because it looks like they just slide on over there, but here's what it looked like to get to the moon. Now, in our walk with God, how many of us kind of like this? Or is it just nice and smooth? Oh, man, I tell you what, I'm just following God each and every day. No, we need course directions. We need course recorrections. We need to come to church. We need to go to Bible study. We need to be in the Word to get our course instructions. Am I off course? Yeah, I'm 90 degrees off course. I'm doing these things, and God says, don't do those things. I'm back on course. Every 10 minutes for the four and a half days to get that capsule to the moon. How many course redirections do we need in our life if we live 40, 50, 60 years with God? This new fad comes out, or this new thing comes out, or this thing tastes good, or that thing smells good, or this thing looks luscious, or whatever it might be, it all can draw us away. All of a sudden, a hobby or those sort of things can take us away from church. All of a sudden, we're off course, sometimes more than 90 degrees. He wants us to get 180 sometimes and turn around. Now, that whole idea of destiny, it says what's meant to be. That's the definition, what's meant to be. We just talked about how Christ has a meaning for us. He, he has something that's meant to be for us if we'll follow him. But we have to decide if we're going to do that. So this word meant, it's, 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 uh, wasn't, it was intended or indicated by an expression or an action. It meant means it was supposed to happen. It was supposed to happen. I meant to make the bed, honey. <laughs> it was supposed to happen. It doesn't always happen. What was intended versus what doesn't happen. How many of you know that meant can mean not done? It's just another word of saying not done. Oh, I meant to do that. Ever have kids? You get the garbage out? Oh, I meant to do it, Dad. <laughs> I meant to. I meant to. I meant to pay the bill. That's why we have no electricity, honey. I meant to do it. 
the red lights on in the car for six months. I, I meant to get the oil changed. I didn't know that was important. <laughs> I meant to go to church. Oh, I meant to start a Bible study. I, I meant to get more time in prayer. I, I meant to do all these different things. I, I had a, I won't say her name, a, a, a relative of mine that was going to come to Cowboy Church because another relative, her sister, had come from down south and they wanted to come out to Cowboy Church. And so it happened to be Super Bowl Sunday. We call it Super Soul Sunday out at Cowboy Church because we have evening services. We battle the Super Bowl. Maybe saw our ads on TV. No, not really. And so they said, we're going to come out there, Brian. We're just going to stop at the Holiday Inn and eat something, and then we'll be out. Super Bowl Sunday. They didn't show up. Got a hold of her the next day. I'm like, everything okay? She said, yeah, we meant to come out, but the Super Bowl was on, and we went and had a couple drinks, and we stayed there the rest of the night. How easily we can get off course. Something dangles in front of us, that carrot that swings there. Satan puts the perfect things in front of us sometimes to draw us away from the destiny and destination God has for it. Good intentions like a, a good mint. I, I had good intentions to do this, good intentions to do that. I, I meant to load the parachutes. I'm sorry, I didn't do it. I tended to get the brakes fixed as you're filling out the accident report. The Bible tells us that we're all equipped with different giftings. In other words, God has a plan for Christian fellowship, a plan for Cowboy Church, a plan for higher ground, a plan for every church that's following him. He has a plan, a predestined ordination for that. And this, this addition, he talks, you know, he's shared with Tim that we're to prepare for 400. That's a plan that God has. We're walking in faith towards that plan. But he gives us giftings. This, this morning we had singers up here. We got people in the back doing the the uh, slides and, and people doing sound and people cleaning and people doing all ushers and whatnot. We've got a lot of people doing a lot of different things to make this happen today. But a lot of you sitting out here might have some giftings that aren't being used, that maybe are predestined to be used here so that we can be doing all that God wants us to do. So I just challenge you guys that. On Pentecost, we talk about you know, the Holy Spirit coming and giving us many gifts. So if we're in love with Jesus Christ and we believe in him and we're following him, you have some gifts that he's given you long before you were born, just waiting to be unwrapped. But you know what it takes? It takes that darn transformation thing. And that goes at the speed of us. I can slow it down. I can stop it by my choices in life. Or I can allow it to speed up if I follow God and say, you make the choices in my life. It's, we have all these giftings, so if you're sitting out here, I'm going to challenge you, if you've never served God in any form or fashion, or you're saying, I, I want to do something, or I don't know what I should do, God, I, use me, use me. It might be that you're not usable yet, because the transformation process hasn't gone far enough. That if he would just unload this, this plan he has for you, that you couldn't handle it, you'd probably crash and burn. It's a process. We walk rung by rung, step by step, into his plan for us, into his desires for us, into his destiny for us. Romans 12, 5. I'll read the Good News translation. This, this is probably going to be New King's James, but it says, In the same way, though we are many, we are one body in union with Christ, and we are all joined to each other as different parts of one body. 
Uh, the Bible talks in Corinthians 12, 12 through 26, it talks about, you know, bodies. Some are eyes, some are feet, and, and they all work together, but they all work independently and different to come together to make a body that can do something. If I was going to run up and down this aisle, I would probably pass out when I got back here. But if I was to do that, you guys would be shocked. But there's many parts of me doing many things to allow me to be able to do that. And that's how it is with the churches. That's how it is with the churches. But if you have a gifting that the church needs, a particular gifting, we might lack that. We might lack the ability to move all that God wants us to do because we're missing that one part. Now, it doesn't mean that God can't overcome that and provide someone else, but how many of us want to miss God's destiny for us? I don't think too many of us do. There's an example you can use of, of a styrofoam cup. You can take one cup and fill it full of water, and then you can take another cup and take a, a pen and poke it about halfway down. And you can say, this cup full of water is living up to its ability. It's got all it needs to be able to be 100% used at its ability. But then you pour it into the cup with the hole, and before long it runs out. It can't fill. It can't live up to its destiny. It can't live up to what it was meant to be. I think it's the same in churches. Could you imagine if every one of us was doing something for God outside of these walls or even in these walls? That's an army. That's a body functioning together. But when we lack some body parts, things get more difficult. I'm going to ask Crystal to run a short video. All right, guys, since it's a little too wet for me to be out in the field doing a couple things, as you just saw, uh, we're going to haul some corn out. We haven't taken any corn out of this yet this year. So I think today I'm just going to haul a couple loads of town. And uh, I pulled the top off. We've got a top that goes over this. And there's only one belt on this. So we're going to put a new belt on it. And, uh, well, not a new one. We're going to put an old one on. But it's a B4250 just like this one here is. So we're going to do that right now, and then uh, get the auger out and get it up here. We'll see what happens here. We'll do one step at a time. Got to fix this first to get this going. First thing we got to do is we got to loosen this up so we can get this belt off. It's already loose, but there's corn in the auger, so we can't turn it. So we're going to open this up, and this will hold the bolt. That's impressive. And there's a nut right underneath here, and we have to loosen that and get the motor down farther. This is actually the tightener adjuster for the belt tension. So we'll loosen this down and we'll put that other belt on there. what's missing on that man? His arms. When he was two years old, he got him caught in a grain auger. So he's been living without arms all of his life. 
and you see what takes place. But the reason I pointed that out was because he was missing his arms. His body wasn't whole, yet he got things done, but it was a lot more work. Could you imagine if that guy had his arms too? It's the same for us in the church. If we could all be functioning, if we could all be working, if we could all be striving towards the same goals, I tell you what, we don't know what God could do. But sometimes we lack that. We're like that styrofoam cup or we're like that dish that doesn't take all that it should and before long we realize that we're missing out on some of the powers that we could have. I gotta tell you why I think some of this is, that we struggle sometimes to be in God's destiny. We're selfish. Selfishness is one of the biggest issues that we can have in life. Frank Sinatra sang a song. I change it a little bit. I want it my way, right? It's all about us, really, if we're honest. You know, I only got a couple more weeks after this, so I can be honest with you guys. We don't do things because we don't want to. Not that Christ has called us to do. Let's forget that Christ has a destiny, that he gave us these gifts before we were in the womb, that he planned our days before we were even born. Let's forget all that and just say, I don't want to. And I guess we just have to be honest and tell God, you know what, I'm, not, I'm coming to church, but I'm never going to serve you. I, I'm, that's too much. That's too much. Just be honest with him then. Deal with God on that. I'm not going to judge you on that. But if you're sitting out there saying, I didn't realize that, you know what, I'm supposed to be doing something, that he's given me a gift to use, then this is your wake-up call to say, you know what? I need to start getting myself prepared to be able to do what God wants me to do. Luke 9, 23 to 25 says this. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and in himself destroyed or lost? In other words, if we're chasing that rat race thing, if we're trying to get to the top of the, the rung, the food chain, we want to have all that in a box of chocolates, he says if without Christ it's nothing. That we need to deny ourselves. We need to stop being selfish and say, you know what, Lord, it's about you now. I accepted you into my life, so it's about you now, not me. The only thing I want to be selfish about is that I make sure I give you time. I make sure I learn about you. I make sure that I serve you in some form or fashion. But he says you've got to take up your cross. You've got to die to self every day. Every one of us does. Pastors, whoever, we have to die to self because self often wants to rise up and take charge and, again, plan our destiny and our destination. Man, if we all could be active for Christ more than we are now. If you're sitting out there saying, I've never really served, I come to be served. I like to be served. That's fantastic, but we're also to serve. And so we have to get in that mindset. 1 John 2, 15 and 16 says this. Do not love the world or things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lusts of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. See, there's a battle that takes place. See, if, if you're saying, Lord, use me, Lord, use me, or if you're sitting there saying, I've never said that, I have no inclination to be used by God, you're probably caught up in the world. The world has blinded you, the world has deafened you to hearing what God has for you. Well, we could say, well, there's nothing for me to do. Gosh, the place looks clean, and, you know, they got people sitting back there. There's nothing for 
we can do more and more and more if we have the workers and laborers that want to go out and to help others to come to know. But here's the real issue. Here's the, the crux of it all. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable service. God has done this for you. He says, my son has done this for you, and now I would ask that you would do this. It's, it's a reasonable request, don't you think? I mean, if we go shopping or you go shopping somewhere and you say, well, what can I get for 20 bucks? And they say, well, this, this, and this. We say, hey, that's reasonable. What we're saying is, you know what? We get quite a bit for very little. We get everything for nothing. Very reasonable. But he says, serve me. Will you serve me? This gift that I gave you on the cross that you want in your life, take that, take it, take it, but now serve me. Serve me, serve me. And serving doesn't mean just coming to church. It doesn't mean just listening to sermon after sermon or going sermon hopping or church hopping. It doesn't mean any of that. It means about serving him. What do you want me to do, Lord? What? Africa? A hut? We just moved into a new double wide. We're moving to Africa. He just called us. We would go. Our place would be for sale. It's a challenging sermon. It's a challenging statement to be a living sacrifice. Oh my gosh. And that word reasonable, I looked it up. Not an extreme or excessive request. It's not crazy for Jesus to say, I died on the cross for you and I did it for free because I love you and because I love you, I hope you get excited about serving me and doing this for other people. It's reasonable. It's very reasonable. That price is pretty reasonable for us. It wasn't for Christ. And so we come to find out that you know, this challenge, this whole idea that maybe we're not being used because we're not a living sacrifice. Jesus Christ walked this earth. He was a living sacrifice, not, not presenting himself to the cross yet, but he, then he became the, the blood sacrifice, the final one. He covered our sins. And so he doesn't necessarily say, I want you to slaughter yourselves for me. He's not saying, I need your blood. I've covered all the sin. I need you to surrender yourself to me. That you're no longer in the throne. I am. I want you to bow down to me. I want you to say I am Lord of your life. Lord means lording over. It means in charge of, overseeing. I want to be Lord of your life so that you can be used by me. But this living sacrifice thing is crazy. Now, in 1 Kings, you read about Solomon, 144,000 over a two-week period of animals that were killed, 22,000 cattle, I think, 120,000 sheep. Can you imagine the blood that ran? He's not asking for that from us. But he's asking us to be living sacrifices. I don't want you to die. I want you to live for me. And he's saying, if you'll live for me, you won't die. But apart from me, you're going to die. It's challenging. This is get-off-your-butt Christianity. This means that just coming in here isn't, isn't it. This is a big part of it. It builds us up and encourages us. We get to sing praises to our God, and then he feeds us information that he thinks we need to know to go out and to live the life he wants us to live. Again, I only got three weeks, and I can be out of here. So I can say what I feel, what the Holy Spirit's laid on my heart to say. Because times are getting more difficult and if you're lost in your own destination and your own destiny, it's going to get harder and harder to find it because it's going to get darker and darker and you won't see the light. 
because the world's taunting us. It's pulling at us. It's constantly changing. Now, the definition of a sacrifice is a loss or something you give up, usually for the sake of a better cause. So let's take hope, brothers and sisters. If we're going to sacrifice, we hear the word sacrifice, that means I've got to give up something. Sacrifice my sins. Sacrifice this. Sacrifice that. It says sacrifice. When you sacrifice, it's to get something better. How many of you would like to walk in God's plan for your life? Man, apart from it, it is horrible, isn't it? B.C. days, before Christ days. How many of you enjoyed your walk? Oh, we liked it for a while, or we liked it here, or liked it there, but it always ended up in a bad place because it was our destination. Our actions got a destination for us. Here we come to realize that a living sacrifice means that we get something better if we surrender the bad. Hmm. Surrender the bad and get more good. Who signs up for that? It should be a no-brainer, right? I was talking this morning about the, the man by the pool that couldn't get in the pool to be healed, and Jesus says that stupid question. It sounds so stupid. Do you want to be made well? Well, duh. I've been there 34 years. Duh, Lord. But for each and every one of us, do we want to be made well? It's one thing to accept Christ and to come into this building and to give him praise. It's another to live for him. That's, that's living well. That's doing well. That's, that's living well. Do you want to be made well? Or do we want to keep living in our sin? See, Christ can't use us. We're not usable if we don't look any different than the world. He might as well go down to any place, grab someone off the street and say, you're now my servant. You're, you're now going to tell people about me. They're not going to do that. But we've been called We've been given giftings. We've been given the Holy Spirit to be able to do those things because we love the Lord. <laughs> yes, we do. We love the Lord. So we want to serve him. And so he can use us if we're willing to be used. If we're clean enough, if we're righteous enough, if we'll sacrifice the things that we need to sacrifice in life to get something better. If I had $20 here and I said, someone bring up a $10 and I'll give you this $20, how many of you would sign up for that? You'd do it all day long because it's something better. Christ has everything better for us. But how many of us really sit back and just kind of go through the motions of life really no different than the world would say? Again, we want it our way. But then Romans 12, 2 says this. It says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, we are transformed. If you're sitting there today saying, I don't feel like I want to be used. I've never really thought about being used. But now you're saying that there's giftings and I, I want to use those. You are being transformed. The, the transformation has begun. But we can't be conformed to the world. If we're going to live in the world, then again, he might as well grab someone out of the world to try to help his cause. But he's chosen us. We're his chosen children. He wants to use us mightily to help others to come to know him and to have a better life and to sacrifice sin, to get rid of things so they can have a better life too. And that's the challenge that we have, my friends. Don't be conformed, it says, any longer. Like right now, it's 1144. From this point on, any longer. Surrender some of these things. Sacrifice. Give to him. 
It's like climbing a ladder. He has a destiny for us. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a, a walk. Again, if he would hand us what the destiny he has for us, all the, all the uh, how he sees our future, like Billy Graham, I'm guessing he just didn't make him Billy Graham, boom, on the first day. But he was walking with him, and he was learning from him, and he was doing all that he had, and he could use him mightily. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. If we're not being used, we might have to question, am I truly a living sacrifice? Am I truly giving it up to God? And there's days you'll absolutely be there. You'll give it all up, and there's another day you'll take something back. There's another day you need to sacrifice something. There's another day you're going to take it back. It's that moon thing. We're heading towards the right thing. We're heading towards God's destiny and destination, but we always have course corrections, I guess you'd say. They did it every 10 minutes for four and a half days. What if it took us every 10 minutes for the rest of our life? Would we put the effort in? Who wants the right course? Who wants to get to the destination that Christ has for us? Again, we put so much effort into our destinations when we choose to go traveling. And we think about it all winter long and we can't wait to get to a, some warm tropical area in the wintertime. And then even in the summertime now, we want to go to some warm destination this year. I just want to see sun for two days in a row. I want to burn even. We put all kinds of effort into things we want to do. My prayer for you today is that you want his destiny. You want his destination in your life enough to do something about it. The Holy Spirit will guide you and strengthen you and instruct you. The pastors will instruct you. God will instruct us to instruct you. You can get in Bible studies. You can get in the Word each and every day and find out the course redirections that you need to take to get to where God wants you to be. And then, instead of always just praying, use me, pray, Lord, make me usable. Make me usable. Flip over those stones in my life that seem to have something hiding under them. Flip over those things that I know that are there, but no one else does, but you do, Lord, and begin to work on me. Even the word, I hate to say it, convict me. Move me, teach me, nudge me, goad me. Get the goad out, start goading me. I'll read this last thing. My Bible footnotes for Jeremiah 1.5 says this, because if we're sitting there thinking about what we can do yet and God, you know, make us usable, it says, God gives each of us specific tasks. Accept them cheerfully and do it with diligence. If God has not given you a specific call or assignment, then seek to fulfill the mission common to all believers, to love and obey and serve God until his guidance becomes more clear. Just don't sit back and say, one day he's going to just plop this in my lap. Just follow him, walk with him, learn from him, and before long you'll see what your destiny and destination is. But it's again, we gotta do something to make that happen. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Heavenly Father, I pray that these words hit home. Lord, I look out in the audience and some people got eyes that look like, when is this over? But Heavenly Father, it's never over. Will we sacrifice ourselves? Will we surrender what we need to surrender to get something better from you? Will we pray, Lord, make us usable and then accept whatever direction and course redirection you give us? 
to give away some things, to surrender some things, to change some things, to engage in more of something. Heavenly Father, will we be willing to do that? We talk the talk, but can we walk the walk, Lord? You give us the Holy Spirit, you give us hope, you give us grace, you give us mercy, you give us salvation, Lord, and you send us on our way and you say, let me guide you and direct you. Heavenly Father, I pray that everyone here is touched today, that the Holy Spirit would move in them and not let them forget this sermon today, that they realize that we have giftings that we've been given and we can use those to magnify all that God has for us and for this church and for whatever church you might attend elsewhere. But Heavenly Father, Find us worthy, and then find us hungry. Find us wanting to serve you. I ask this all in the precious name of Jesus, and everybody says amen, amen and amen. Again, you only got two more weeks after this, and we'll, be, we'll make her, we'll make her. God bless you guys. Have a great, great Sunday. God bless. Find your destiny with God.